0: Discover Seasons 1 and 2 now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning.
1: His whole theme was rising and yeah. I'm making a joke that we're not high we're rising.
0: Uh-huh. Cuz it's but funny to
1: say. Cuz it's like
2: I get it now. I think I probably should have initially but I I didn't.
1: Seems like it's something that shouldn't have been that hard.
2: I pretty much agree with that.
1: You ruined it though.
2: I did and I'm sorry. We can try again.
1: <laughs> 3 do <two. laughs> Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. I'm joined, as always, by Andrew Keats. He's Managing Editor at Voice. How you doing, pal? And fellow Managing Editor, Andrea Lopez Villafana. What is up, Lopez?
3: Hey, Lewis. Good to be here.
1: Coming up on the show this week, the city of San Diego started rolling out bins for compost. The green bins are going out. They're being deployed. You get yours yet? As we speak. As Um, we speak.
3: I don't know if I'm getting it. I saw them this morning. They were a couple blocks from my house, so I'm hoping I get it.
1: Mm, Very Very excited. Our Mackenzie Elmer has been following the program. We'll share what she's seeing on the streets and how this initiative could cut greenhouse gases. That's the goal. People do it, but it's a whole new burden. Wednesday, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria delivered his State of the City speech, his third, but his first in person because of the whole thing that we all dealt with. He says San Diego is rising, not high. He's not talking about the sea level. He's talking about us and the city. We'll pull on a couple threads from the speech and our biggest takeaways. And finally, do we have the makings of a San Diego special? Find out. That's all coming up, Stewart. Okay, this is one of those moments where the world of policy Clashes with the real world, right? Yeah. For years, they've it's very been, exciting to me when it happens. Yeah. So yeah. here's another moment. <laughs> yeah. We just
3: grab your popcorn, yeah. and like yeah. watching Cause, it.
1: Because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people who have no idea what's happening, clashing with the people who've been scheming about it for years, literally, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so planning for it. We don't need to make it seem so nefarious. <laughs> scheme doesn't have to be a pejorative. All right. All right. Scheme is just scheming out. It's a scheme.
3: I do, but, like, now I'm picturing, like, all these people in, like, <laughs> Just, a room, like, really dark. Like, yeah. <laughs> what color should we make the bins? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they uh, had been planning for some time to get everybody green bins in the city of San Diego so that we can separate out our food waste and our yard waste and both protect the landfill's capacity.
2: You know what else goes in those things? What? Pizza boxes. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, you can't recycle a pizza box because it's soiled. Yeah. You can put your pizza boxes in the green So bins. paper
1: can go in there? Soiled paper.
2: So- soiled paper. Yeah. Right, sure. But let's just say pizza boxes. Okay, pizza boxes. Because box. you've been dealing with those with without any sort of real idea where they should go. Yeah. For a while, I'm sure. Most of us have been.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's do get into this. So the, the clash is now that the plan for for the green bins has now... Happened. The bins are being rolled out. You said you saw them in Barrio Logan today?
3: Yeah. It's like this big truck and they have layered of stacked green bins. And yet they had a couple workers just kind of like pulling one out and putting them next to other bins.
1: Now, do they do they like scan it that this part of your family or whatever? Or did they just hand them out? Did you see?
3: I didn't see how they handed them out. I am curious how that happens because um, my boyfriend's mom, who lives a couple of blocks from us, she has. She owns her home and the bottom part is an apartment and she yep. lives in the top part. Um, so she does have a tenant. And I was told she got four green bins.
4: <laughs> yeah, for
3: or, or two units. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know like how they went about scanning <laughs> She
1: signing. got four. <laughs> she got four. Oh, I'm telling.
3: <laughs> and she was like, I've been talking to my boyfriend about these green bins and how yeah. we're going to get one. So the
1: reality for him was was closer than yeah, yeah. for others. Okay. Of, we,
3: we live in the zip code where the city is rolling these out. And, for equity. Uh huh. Um, so <laughs> I had told him what was going to happen and he kind of passed this along to her, but she was still very surprised. One, why she got four bins. And two, like the thought of throwing in food. Into these little pails that they're also giving you along okay, with the Okay, describe green the bin.
1: pails. You both mentioned the pails. What are the how big are we talking? It was described to me as like the size of a laptop and then yeah. like a little taller.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say it's the size of a laptop. We actually have a, the photo of one of the bins in Mackenzie's story mm-hmm. from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably the size of a laptop, but she was just saying, um, my boyfriend's mom was saying, like, Well, it's gonna smell and she, you know, had all these concerns of
1: Well I mean, I, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. If you, the stinkiest parts of your trash are usually the food. Yeah. And I mean, even that is like a second order. There's going to be a lot of people who just get home and they're like, what is this? What yeah. Is, what is this? Yeah. yeah. So that's right. Yeah. There's two, there's two <laughs> <laughs> clashes with the reality. One is like, what is this? Yeah, mm-hmm. And then the next is, what? how do we transform our lives to do this? Now, Mackenzie. Yeah. Being the environmentalist nerd she is (laughs) has documented how you can like set aside your your food waste and put it they're encouraging you to put it in your freezer, right? Like how to keep it from smelling bad. Now, do people generally have room in their freezers? I don't like have weird science experiments or anything in my freezer. And it is jam-packed all the time. I just have like so many dino nuggets. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like,
1: for, like an obscene amount of dino
4: you
3: nuggets. Know, I, 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 <laughs> Frozen
2: I, I, pancakes and dino nuggets. <laughs> no, I, That's That part of my house is
1: dedicated to those two or things. The, or the old like protein waffles nobody wants. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, my, my freezer has always been pretty empty. Like I have ice packs and Frozen berries. It's pretty much it. But my little cousin's visiting this week, so I bought extra food. So now it's filled with Dino Nuggets, like waffles, yeah, pizzas. And now I have no space. But mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from, Andy. Oh, so yeah. the pail <laughs> looks like
1: it could fit in the in the thing. I, you know, I really I am, I'm no showing way. Scott a picture. Nobody right now. can have that in their freezer yeah. that has anything to do with like food preservation. The freezers are small. Well, who has big freezers? This isn't Wyoming <laughs> with like everybody's got like a giant freezer in their garage with the deer meat from the yeah, winter. The, the, the waist high thing? Where yeah. You-
3: I don't know what it says exactly and I guess I'll find out once I get mine, but the bins do have a little pamphlet kind of attached to them and it looks like the big bins and it looks like they have a sticker on top that has some sort of instruction. So I guess if you do show up and there's like a random green bin in front of your house, you'll you know you can read the instructors still, instructions, but I so. still feel like I
2: would like just like start looking around, like who who did this? Is Somebody recording me right yeah. now? This, <laughs> where's
1: Ashton punked? Kutcher? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, now there was a headline uh, caught my attention that said like we uh, might get penalized.
3: Well, the state would,
1: yeah, it would. So it would go. This is a state law. The mm-hmm. state passed a law years
2: ago requiring this. Cities. Requiring to cities to do this. So what the city's requirement to do is not to provide green bins to everyone. That's the means to the end. The mm-hmm. end is diverting all of this methane-causing food waste to a different part of the landfill where it can be treated and, oh, no. and and turned into mulch, basically, that would be available for people to pick up or to otherwise. Um, return to the earth from once mm-hmm. it came. Mm-hmm. Um, but if – so if people don't do it, right, the, then the city won't be able to make good on its requirement to divert the vast majority of food waste from landfills. And the state could hold cities responsible and cities in turn could hold individuals responsible. Um, I could. Think it could. I, th- I, I, I mean – people didn't react well to the idea that they were going to be charged for every mile that they drive, which is something that's already happened to them throughout their entire lives. Yeah. So the idea of like being charged for like processing your garbage improperly,
1: I think would be pretty controversial. Yeah. It seems like it's far off. So, uh, are you you and Ulysses coming around to the idea of separating the food waste?
3: he is not he's not <laughs> he he's. said he is absolutely not doing it, but I kind of I like
2: the stridency of it <laughs> it's like he's the first firm. time you heard it like no, not doing it no. and then just just hold on to that position for as long as you can
3: <laughs> I kind of want to try just to like it seems I will keep it.
2: rotten eggs in our on our couch before I put them in that green bin <laughs>
3: pretty much and then I told him I was like well you know the city says eventually maybe they'll like fine people for not doing this but who knows if you know when and how that will happen he's like oh, that's not happening I'm not paying them anything I was like oh I just love how you are just, um,
2: just keep I, I won't pay it
3: yeah so I'm I'm kind of excited to see what happens and also I don't know what else you can throw in there so it sounds like pizza, pizza boxes. boxes for instance I'm curious about dog poop. <laughs> I don't know, I have all yeah, these the questions. Are,
1: there's gonna be some folks that do it right with like a, a layer of dog poop, a layer of Food. eggs and banana peels and then yard, yard, yard waste and pizza box and then another layer of dog poops. I don't know, how often does it come? Once a It'll week. It'll be weekly, because, weekly. Of the, because of the smell
2: issue. Oh. And you know, because you, so you've got your bin in your house, Yeah. you're gonna take that out and dump it into a larger bin out back that you know that'll go alongside your your trash and recycling bins. Those outdoor ones could could attract rodents, flies, yeah. smells, if they were allowed to sit for a long time. So those will be picked up every week. Okay. but the,
3: but there is confusion. Like Mackenzie said, she went out to see you know some of the tr- the bins rolled out, and she said that a woman was like, "Oh, I got a new trash can," you know, a new trash bin. So. Like, she thought she could just put regular trash in it. And, you know, same as, like, with my mother-in-law. Like, she was like, I don't really know what to do with this. And then she had questions. She was like, are we paying for this? Like, are they charging us for this? And he was trying to explain Measure B to her. And she was like no way people wouldn't vote for that. <laughs> and he's like, no, you don't understand. It already passed. And she's like, no, people are not going to vote for that. And he's like, no, it already passed. <laughs> so it's just funny when policy clashes with real life.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's, even when it's clashing, it's not aware that it's happening. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating.
2: Yeah. I, uh, Mackenzie told me that like, when she walked away from that woman, she said that it still seemed to not have gotten through, that this was not a trash can. <laughs> she
1: told multiple times and she's like I think she still thought it was a trash can <laughs> okay there you go let us know your thoughts on and experiences with the green bins
3: tag us on social media Mackenzie loves this trash story and so she'll be following it for us you can keep up with all of her reporting and her bi-weekly newsletter the environment report at vosd.org environment
1: Lopez you got to sit with me at the State of the City.
3: Yeah, I felt like I was next to a superstar. <laughs> Everybody was like, I'm "Scott, off this show. hey Please Scott, get me out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> I Seriously, have no idea
2: why you would say that.
3: <laughs> because it's true. Everybody was uh, like, "Scott, Scott Lewis." Oh, I recognize your name. And even when they like didn't really know who he was, like once it clicked, they would be like, "Oh yeah, like I just read your story." Blah blah blah.
0: Yeah.
2: So good. Keep going. If how like. many <laughs> how many times did he say something that was like just like a like a brick being dropped into the conversation? <laughs> just so awkward.
3: <laughs> no, who was it wasn't awkward?
1: She got the she, she I felt got, like
3: other people were awkward. She
1: got yeah, there was some serious awkwardness. There was uh I I got uh the the very rare occurrence where one person confronts me with negative uh, feedback. And then immediately followed by the next person who mm-hmm. had very positive feedback on the same issue on the, on the very same issue. Awesome. And uh, and that was very that was disorienting even for me. That was a, a usually they're spaced out a little bit, <laughs> right? But uh,
3: I gotta say too, I'm a star too.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
3: Two people knew who I was. Yeah. Stop. It was fun <laughs> for you
1: guys. Now there was one problem, and that was that. Uh, as the you know opening ceremonies of this <laughs> event were coming, she couldn't stop laughing.
3: <laughs> I know, very inappropriate times. Uh, it, it was.
1: <laughs> I try to you know maintain a little bit of dignity, and she's over there just cracking up about stuff. And she couldn't stop cracking up about the uh, the MC of the night, yeah, uh, Council President Shawnee Lo Rivera. It was. It was.
3: It was just like these things that. You just don't hear it in normal life, I think <laughs> I don't in your everyday oh, life th- you know
1: thank
2: you thank you cardinal the
3: the thank you like <laughs> thank you cardinal it was it was just so funny to me like in what situation would you say that or hear that like I don't know, it was just hilarious, and then it couldn't so he started with that like he said thank you cardinal and but then every person afterwards well, obviously he had to thank, thank- everyone after So with then
2: their with oh, their God. title. Thank you, Cardinal Service Member. Please stand so we can thank you for your service. Thank you, Karan and Navid. Thank you, Dr. Magabo Perez. And thank you to every San Diegan who participated in the
3: program. But there, there was like a little girl who said the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, thank you, Emma. Like It was just so cute. I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> Maybe it's right. not as funny as I thought, but it was funny in the moment.
1: <laughs> there were all these like applause lines that felt awkward. Like mm-hmm. we threw away 2,800 tons of homeless people stuff and everybody's like, Yay. <laughs> it's like eh. <laughs> felt a little weird. <laughs> but um but she's over there just cracking up the whole time.
3: <laughs> I know people around us were probably like, why is this girl laughing? Why is she, why is she laughing so much? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: All right. So there's a few things that um I wanted to to talk about here. Um but what was your take, any About the state of the city. Yeah.
2: I think It was strategically dull. I I, I think it was like there was a a plan to not make to not try to make it into a a bigger moment than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could debate the wisdom of that. It seems fine enough to me. But uh, I kind of started to get the impression of how the mayor and his administration sees themselves in the shape of the administration. Um, It seems like they're very being deliberately not progressive. Yeah. Um, going out of their way to just be very non-confrontational with with the policies they want to pursue and to sort of build a
1: build a platform of, of like norm core politics. Yeah, I, I think I think what stood out for me the most was that it was very heavy on law enforcement. He even had that line like, lawlessness will not be tolerated. And he talked at length about officers, about an officer who had come on the force, about their retention, about law, uh, you know, the, the laws that he wants to see enhanced, uh, and the, the police he wants to see retained, and the budget that he protected, and the all, child
3: care program. The child care for program. Officers.
1: And there was a lot of, and I felt like it was this, as to your point, like Norm, it seemed like it was more about like a blue collar speech that would highlight labor in the progressive way, right? but really try to tie it to like law and order. Like we, you know, people shouldn't have to walk in the streets around tent encampments and fentanyl needs to be uh, shut down and all of these things uh and and he was just kind of it, it seemed like to the extent that there was a philosophy about the speech it was about uh i'm going to be a kind of traditional law and order san diegan san diego mayor mm-hmm. but i love labor
2: yeah yeah i think that's right and i mean the to the, if there were the the most progressive ideas there were just sort of saying that project labor agreements are good Mm-hmm. That it was wrong to take pensions from city employees, that we want to invest in city staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that that sort of pro-labor positioning is uh, progressive, certainly. But there was not any of these, like, big, bold agendas. Uh, Here's the ways we're going to change and improve San Diego. Um, sort of like consciousness of, like, the stereotype of, like, a hectoring liberal who's trying to get you to do things differently. There was none of that. Um And I didn't even mention climate change. Right, right. And and like, you know, some of the stuff that you mentioned about fentanyl or lawlessness will not be tolerated. Like, I do know that there's a faction of people who read into that a certain view of of politics towards policing. But you got to be pretty online to even to even be able to, like, decode that in that way. I think for most people, it would just be like a pretty banal statement. I agree honestly, with that, but you know, but 2 years ago he wouldn't have made that speech. Totally agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think he's like warming into like a proud centrism that
1: is reminiscent of Joe Biden and like Eric Adams. Yeah. So he transitioned from police mm-hmm. uh and and also an, another sort of police adjacent concept of how many people he wanted to basically involuntarily commit to mental health treatment right mm-hmm. and and how he's going to double that effort this year and he transitioned from that to a story of a couple he brought in all these people all the time and it was was a couple who had struggled with drugs and homelessness uh, and incarceration and they were bringing themselves back and they had been placed in transitional ha- housing and sober living as they tried to make that transition. And that's how he introduced homelessness. And I thought that the the discussion uh, about homelessness was interesting in that it was really bleak and not hopeful. And so here's what he said uh, uh, first.
4: It's not okay for children to have to walk in the middle of the street past encampments just to get to their school. And we cannot expect people whose homes and businesses are surrounded by encampments to just put up with their impacts.
1: So he presents the problem first from the eyes of people who are, are sick of the problem that they see, mm-hmm. not the, that they're experiencing, right? hmm
3: mm-hmm. Like children walking on the street to avoid the the tents and then also he mentioned um business owners and property owners like not having to just put up with it
1: mm-hmm. right
2: and so he yeah, like it's not okay to expect business owners to just deal with it yeah and again i want to say that like i know like he is talking to a discourse that occurs about homelessness uh, that you know that that is in response To an ongoing dialogue that has been occurring in the city about homelessness. But like you have to have opted into that conversation to be aware of those like uh, discussion points as being hot buttons at all. I think to like the vast majority of people who live here, that doesn't even read as controversial.
1: Oh, I don't even think it is. I I think. I think everybody's on board with that point. That's that's right along the point, like the the norm core thing. I I don't I don't even think. Well, I, I did hear there were some concerns from homeless advocates about how he was describing homelessness itself or the people yeah. who had fallen into it. But I don't think anybody is okay with the tent encampments. It's just, it's just, is it a law enforcement beat heads approach that needs to be done or is there some sort of like massive homeless? I think there's a strain of, of, of homeless activism that bristles
2: at the idea that one of the victims of homelessness is every other person who has a home that has to deal with the unfortunate like inconveniences. Yeah.
1: Okay. I see that. So then he talked about all the different things they've done, the outreach, they've expanded safe parking. They got a new motel. They're going to open for families. They got the old central library. The old one is going to be transformed to a homeless shelter. We've heard it's going to house fully 20 people. It sounds like, or shelter them. Can uh, I
3: share how you ruined someone's dreams that night? Yes, yes. This guy behind us, he was <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, they're finally going to transform the library into a shelter. And Scott, like, instantly turns around and goes, do you know how many it's going to bounce?
1: <laughs> Sorry.
2: Did it, during the speech, you did that? It yeah. was his moment to so
3: explain something to someone Remarkable
2: person. It's what I do. So you hear somebody who's like enjoying a movie and you're
1: just like, they're going to find the
4: killer. <laughs> <Like>.
1: <laughs> he talked about how filled the shelters are, usually 92% occupied. Which, by the way, if there's 1,729 shelter beds, as he said, and they're always 92% occupied, that means at any given time, there's only a few dozen or 100 or so, you know, spots. Just in downtown, isn't there, Then uh, not they count like 1,800 people there's literally not enough shelter beds for all people downtown, even let alone the rest of the city. Yeah. So okay, fine. So next, he talked about the. Then he hit. This is the crescendo of the moment with the with the homeless discussion. He says in uh, in 2022, 2,200 people uh, made their way through the shelter and outreach system into um, some sort of better situation. Most of them permanent housing. But then he said this.
4: The problem we face is that for every 10 people we get off the street and into housing, 13 people become homeless, many for the first time. The reality is there are San Diegans who are simply not able to keep up with the rising cost of living. And it is clear that we must focus more attention on the upstream causes of homelessness to give people a better shot at remaining housed through tough times.
1: So I think this, this, I want to talk about a couple of things. One, he does not answer that point with anything that explains how we're going to close that gap. And he left it then thus that it is going to keep getting worse. That this situation that we see in the streets is going to keep getting worse. And there's no particular plan or hope to change that. I don't think you can have any other conclusion from that that they that all of these things that he listed that they're doing with all the special money they've got to do that, that's all that's happening, and it's not going to change that that gap. Then he transitioned into the point about housing now, by the way, we got the preview of his speech pretty well, yeah, yeah we kind of nailed that
0: well.
3: Not an actual preview, but you guys guessed what he was going to say. Yeah, yeah.
2: What are you laughing about? I, you, you weren't going to let that go unsaid.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's never, in, never an, an oppor- a chance for you to even consider leaving that. We can Just cut for it. anybody who remembered it. <laughs> uh, sorry,
1: it's fine. It's fine. I, I am did who get it. I know. I know. And- I am who I am. <laughs> uh, and here's what he said then about the problem getting worse.
4: I want to tell you the truth. Housing ends homelessness. Housing ends homelessness. More housing supply brings down the cost of rent. More homes open the doors of home ownership to more Sandy Agans. I
1: think that is overall the the vision, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be like this until that catches up, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so... Couple of points on that. I thought he would say housing or homelessness is a housing problem, like um, we talked about. But he went, you know, into a slightly different direction and said housing fixes this. Mm-hmm. Throughout the speech, he outlined these big, big problems. Mm-hmm. Right, like S-
3: sidewalks, roads, roads
1: uh, yeah, uh, staffing, mm-hmm. um, and. When the, the and then the biggest one that 13 people are going homeless for every 10 that are being housed, mm-hmm. instead of outlining proportional responses and creations for that, he would list things that are happening that sound big, like thousands of miles of roads being paved, or this much investment being made, or this much. You know, or these individual anecdotal programs or whatever. 5,000 permits in the city of San Diego. Right. These, and these numbers that are impossible, even for very well informed people like you, not me, because you're more informed. More informed, but it is possible for me to understand them. Okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's hard, though, to put those up and compare them to the proportion of the problem right. in the moment that they're being said. So it's like, it just sounds big. It's just like a big number, but you don't have any way of knowing whether it's even enough to keep up with the problem as it grows or even close the gap, right? Right. And that's like a constant thing with all of these things that we see. It's like problem and then a bunch of little things that are happening. You have no idea whether they're enough to make up the difference. And so when it got to the housing, there were all of these things that came out, all these pledges and promises and, and signs that something was happening, but you have no idea whether it's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it's not
2: not even like I, I want to give deference that like it's a speech that's supposed to be broadly appealing. It it can't devolve into a seminar on like housing units per capita or yeah. something like that. But in that case, just like leave the five thousand permits out of there. Like it's 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 empty information. Yeah, so it doesn't tell you anything. What was the pledge with that? That wasn't even a pledge. I mean, he he he. His pledge related to permits was that projects that have one hundred percent affordable housing, um, fully affordable projects, would get their permits issued in thirty days. Thirty days from the time that the that the developer comes to the city to say we're ready to build, um, and that's typically right now like a six month process. Mm-hmm. Now, like he made this change through an executive order and. Like, I think during the speech or maybe just after it, they tweeted out a photo of him signing the executive order. And like, I have covered for years the city's efforts, including, you know, often talking to Todd Glory when he was on the city council about what the city was trying to do to make issuing permits faster, to make it cheaper and easier to build more homes.
1: Yeah, there are two things I hear from people the most about city government. One is, when are they going to fix the streets? Yeah. And how come they don't fix them better? Yeah, yeah. And the other is it takes forever to get a permit to right. build housing. And if you think the housing is a problem, why is that the case? And I, both of those are so daunting to investigate that I've never actually figured out how to.
2: Yeah, and so I did some while well, I worked for you. You paid for me to to do that. You could read those if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but but and and like I, you know, Todd was on the city council at the time, and I talked to him about it. He's he's knowledgeable about the situation. He he knows. You know, he could go chapter and verse about like ministerial permits and oh, we're moving process fours into process threes and process threes into process twos, and that's what the community plan updates are about. And so we can have a programmatic EIR that developers can tear off of, and blah blah blah. He could like he could talk about it as well as like a mid manager from DSD or the planning department. So he knows this stuff, and he also therefore also knows that like the thing that has been keeping permits from being issued faster is not that no one had the idea to do it faster
1: <laughs> yeah, an executive order yeah. to do it fast like well
2: we'll just do it fast like that's not been the holdup mm-hmm. to my understanding it's been like a matter of staffing or like simple processes and and requirements that that make things go faster um, so he did talk about um hiring like contracted staff to come into DSD development services department to start issuing permits. Um, But he also referred to that as a necessary step to address the fact that there's a backlog right now. There's a, like a famously large permitting permit backlog based on some issues that DSD has been having on their side of things. And so he's bringing in more contracted employees to address that permitting backlog. At the same time, he's guaranteeing that affordable housing projects will get to get their permits in 30 days. And there's no detail on like how that's going to change. And if that change is going to necessitate longer permitting times for everything else. Um And so like I am interested in hearing more detail on how that's going to, to come about, whether there's more reforms that are going to be necessary to make it possible um, because it's not a matter that a matter of people just up until now not wanting to do it faster. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, like it's unsatisfying to talk about this like boring part of politics and policy and like the nuts and bolts of government. But like there's a lot of people who come to work every day at a very particular building where the department is called development services and developers come in with like reams of paper and like you know blueprints and outlines and it gets sent to to like specialized people to deal with the fire requirements and the structural engineering requirements and the electrical requirements and like it's it's just not like something that gets hand waved away and if it was that would have happened
1: already yeah so i i on the one hand like I do appreciate leadership that's that asks constantly the impossible question, right? Sure. Things have to get better. You have to, you know, in our case, you have to reach more people, you have to have more impact, you've got to constantly get better. And I understand that sort of thing, but it is this is a more direct like, well, you must do it because I've ordered it executively. Yeah. And and it's it's like a it's like an empty thing. It's like it's like Michael Scott in the in the I office. Declare saying, bankruptcy. I, I, I declare bank- bankruptcy. <laughs> right. It's it's like and they did that with fentanyl too. Like I you know yeah. And it's like okay, what do we what is gonna take? What is gonna get sacrificed or what's gonna get invested in? Now you said something that you kind of breezed by that actually is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Hiring contractors to do the d- development services department permitting work. It's that's not an outsourcing, right? That's an emergency sort of like supplement. So how
2: how it like works with the labor contract because those are mea represented employees mm-hmm. uh, is not something I fully understand. But yeah, I mean, they're it, he, to by his own words, we're going hi- to hire contracted employees that'll I guess will be here on like an emergency basis until the backlog is gone. Something along those lines.
1: That's really interesting. So I. I've heard similar sort of hopes for parks, Uh, you know, there's staffing problems throughout the city. He did address that as well and mostly just kind of blamed the previous administration, right? Yeah, there was still a number of shots at the previous administration here. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like
2: implicit, like the the shape of the city's trajectory that they're trying to chart here with it being like, like he said, two years ago, I told you the state of our city was fragile. Mm -hmm. Now the state of our city is rising. Like it's. He's like his whole first term is, is, is being set up for like a triumphant moment.
1: When we're high. Yeah, when we're high. and <laughs> At various times, people around the mayor's office in orbit have been mad at me for implying that there was a higher level of urgency that they could take with regard to homelessness. Yeah. And I think this speech is proof that they don't consider it an emergency in the same vein as like a natural disaster or COVID or something like that. They, it, was, it was much like it has been over the last several years. It was a part of a speech about the city uh, and a city that was dealing with a, a problem, maybe the biggest problem, but not, you know, there, there was a lot that was talked about before that from sidewalks, sidewalks. to sidewalks. Boy, speaking of which,
2: should we, should we get L.D back on the show to talk to talk sidewalk policy?:
1: Yeah, let's do that real quick. So one of the bigger <laughs> announcements besides the thirty days uh, for the permit, which that'll be interesting to see, mm-hmm. was the news that he would pursue or had pursued, a policy to change the permitting and sort of liability structure of sidewalks. So right now, if you want to you know fix the sidewalk in front of your property, it's a pretty involved process, and it's expensive, and it takes a long time, and the city has to be involved with that. And it still is the city's liability. So if yeah. if you don't keep care of your sidewalk... Wait, wait, how did it work? It's the
2: city's... It's the property owner's responsibility, but the liability falls on the city. Right. So, so, so it's, it's like backwards, f- right? Yeah. Like it was- yes. There's a, a, a trip and fall the city can be sued for the fact that the it was in unsafe condition and yet it's the, the property pol- owner's
1: responsibility to to make
2: it better right this was the the thrust of Liam Dillon's months of investigation when he was here about the city's broken
1: sidewalk policy right the stumbler the stumbler we ran a, a tumbler called the stumbler so people <laughs> could send in their bad sidewalks yeah <laughs> it was good it, it was one of the it better things we did for that in that while that yes. period so uh what he what the mayor basically said is we're going to a make it easier for you to fix your sidewalks, and b as a reward, you get to own the liability for it. Yeah, the course of history is long, but it bends
2: towards redemption for Liam Dillon <laughs> <laughs> and his <laughs> and his search for impact. It is. Have we alerted him? I I was going to tweet him last night, but then I just decided to carry on living my life instead. Um, but we we
1: should. We, probably be very excited. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit San Diego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's San Diego.edu slash peace slash VOSD.
1: Now one of the other points that Glory mentioned, he although it didn't spend that much time on it considering how big of a deal it would be is uh, the redevelopment and reconstruction of City Hall. So, it's been that way since the 60s. This plaza looks like it was built in the 60s and- It's classy, it's classy. It's classy, Civic Center Plaza. It's got the Civic Theater where the speech was and then it's got City Hall. It's got Golden Hill or Golden Hall. Mm -hmm. And then next to, uh, across the street from Golden Hall is the City Operations Building which has, at the bottom, the fire station, and that's where the permitting and stuff happens. correct, Okay, so all of those plots, and now with 101 Ash Street and with the Civic Center Plaza, the tower across from the plaza that has all the city attorneys and, and other offices, those are all owned by the city, and the mayor, as we've talked about many times, wants to turn that into a bunch of homes and a new plaza and a new city hall. Now, he had a task force to do this, and Andy raised the alarm that we might be headed toward a new San Diego special. I would define a San Diego special as a problem, a dilemma, uh, an opportunity, some sort of maybe undeveloped land blighted area or a controversy that needs to get handled or an unsustainable situation like vacation rentals became There was ill-defined laws. It needed to get addressed by a collective action of the city government Mm -hmm. and of the sort of political class needed to agree to get this done and pursue a solution that resolves it. And a San Diego special is one of those situations that needs to get resolved and cannot be resolved. we 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 can't do it. It breaks the collective brain. And it keeps like, it's like a a video game that just keeps hitting that same point over and over again, and just like yeah.
2: like the- all the elements are are here for this one.
1: Right. Okay. So let's talk about where we're at. So the mayor appointed uh dozens of of very important individuals to. Wait.
3: O- I'm sorry. I have a question. Yeah. Do we have like a checklist for a San Diego special? We could start to put it together so right we now. We should. That yeah. would be so good.
2: Yeah. Well, so what you were explaining
4: might
1: might as well be the first thing on the list yeah. Yeah, yeah. as a task force been appointed has, has, has a task force check check ding. Uh, <laughs> has the task force made a report interim report yeah so they reported to the city council this week uh, the they the thrust and the the group had agreed that the real thing that they should do is build a new city hall where the city operations building is across the street and then sell the rest of the the land to somebody who would turn it into homes and whatever else. Now, apparently, that has created some backlash that there's, uh, there was a, that was led by the economics group of the task force. They broke into subcommittees. Subcommittees of the task force. <laughs> <laughs> Disagreement between the <laughs> subcommittees. Ding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, there, there's a design committee headed up in part by Jennifer Luce, the architect, famous architect. She's making the point like, whoa, 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 you don't build a – this isn't just a challenge to house office workers for the city with an office tower. Like, we have a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-century opportunity to redo this whole area to connect it to other attractions throughout the city, the Shell, the Petco Park, Bobo Park, and whatever else. Waterfront Park, right. Arcaderos that we need to do something special. And you can't do that if you just, if you put an office tower in with a street in front of it and then the rest of it goes to other developers. So uh, that'll be really interesting to see how that gets worked out. Now, the city council wanted to put the brakes on a little bit before moving on to opening it up for bid or anything like that. But this is, I think... City council pausing before moving forward.
2: And which, I want to be clear, because uh, people are sensitive, I understand, we, you know, we're, we're out here s- sounding like pundits. Any one of these decisions in isolation may be prudent
1: and, and the correct one. And it it's may not co- be an, uh, an inherent good thing to just build an office tower as fast as you pop as Or, you yeah, can. to just move forward. I'm not, saying- I'm not saying that that's right.
2: I'm just saying it's the, the collection of all of these facts together that constitute the San Diego specialness of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where we get to the spirit of the San Diego special. Yeah. So yeah. uh
1: wh- what is when would it actually make the transition? Well,
2: for now I want to just focus on all the component parts that we've already assembled. Uh, I, so it's the ones you've mentioned, but also I think we we would be we, we would be derelict in our responsibility as the arbiters of this question if we didn't mentioned that like 101 ash street is entangled in this whole mess <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we get to bring along all of that baggage that's true which is important just that is a tick right 101 and, ash street. just play like, like, you know it's like involved pa- past city scandal boom
4: boom <laughs> and,
3: uh
2: also like five previously aborted attempts at a san diego city hall yeah mm-hmm. all figure into this uh the sandag grand central like wannabe inclusion oh, into the concept true. so like, here's the, the, i will can like, i like making something more pliable by just like leveling stuff on top of it which is what they've sort of done here
1: can i propose uh, a potential moment where it would cross to an official one it's great i'm all ears i think that it crosses into an official san diego special mm-hmm. when uh, a plan has been adopted and pursued and that plan is derailed okay so if mm-hmm. if um a consensus builds somehow through this to do something mm-hmm. and then it it is stopped or or falls off because of some sort of financial or lawsuit or something that's that's where it would flip i think
2: okay uh, i'm just gonna introduce a question here yeah that i anticipate asking you intermittently in in our ongoing future yeah and I'm, I'm interested in Maybe we could do some data collection and and chart the the trajectory of this over time. This is good. Do you ever expect to cover a city council meeting in the new city hall? Right now, as we sit here today, January 2023, do you think you as a journalist will ever cover a city council meeting
1: in the new city hall? I'm 46. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long do you think I'll do this? There's a good chance, like, well into my 70s. Yeah.
2: I I mean... (laughs) In terms of like hanging it up because something better comes along
1: or like. Yeah. No. Or we'll they finally that. pay me to coach yeah. softball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so 46, right? Yeah. So 25 more years. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 W- yeah, there will be.
2: Okay. All right. That's where we are right now. That's good. That's our first data point.
3: And 25 more years.
2: Within the next 25 years, Scott is confident there will be a new city hall and that he will cover a city council meeting. I'm going to ask you this. From time to time. yeah,
3: Checking in. <laughs> Checking in where we stand on that
2: one.
1: All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, we'll we'll check whether that um, uh, task force produces a report that the city council is excited about or whether it needs another task force. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast hosted in part by a 10U softball manager, named Scott Lewis. It's the most popular public affairs podcast hosted in part by a tenu softball manager. If you want to keep up with everything about the podcast, you can do that at vosd.org slash pod and sign up for our, our weekly newsletter. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrew Keats is Managing Editor. Andrea Lopez Villafaña is also Managing Editor. And Nate John is our expert producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you
4: next week.